0: So by now we've all heard of COVID toes, one of the signs that you've caught the virus. One of the signs that you don't have the virus, but you're really sick of this whole thing is COVID hair. Uh, Bri, it is time to find a barber, a hairdresser, someone with scissors. It doesn't matter, dude. It's looking shaggy. If you have a steak knife at your house. <laughs> Send help. <laughs> you know, it's hilarious. So one of the first videos we did, I went from a more COVID hair look to Shorn. And I get a text from Jason Barton. He's like, you went and got an illegal haircut. And I'm like, nothing illegal about it. Nothing illegal, I promise you. I had I had Shelly cut it. And I, I got to admit to you, it's one of the better haircuts of my life. I just figured out how to save 25 bucks. So it's so she,
1: funny. Cause she'd be glad to... This sheep sure you speaking too speaking of jason when two weeks ago when we went driving around with the refuge team yeah. i saw him working in the yard fully disheveled hair <laughs> and over the i had a bullhorn with me and through the through the speaker i said hey jay nice hair and, <laughs> like, and he just
0: i know we've been but th- now i'm there too well we've been doing some live groups and i gotta admit i've been seeing some people in live groups and i'm like it is time we had a church haircut specialist that, that would be willing Please. to mask up and start shearing Please. the sheep. Oh my word, crazy. We got to see each other live last Sunday night. Wasn't that the best? It was incredible. I mean we're out there, we're enjoying that song pouring over us, waving, saying hi, communion, enjoying guys. communion. It was it was an incredible time. And again, we've had some live groups meeting. Uh going being loyal to that edict and you know we're allowed to have 10 so we have 10 socially spaced all that sort of stuff but again if you want to get in on that uh, we want you to be able to enjoy a live experience if that's your decision if that's your choice and uh, so just make sure you go ahead and reply to emails to us let us know we'll get you in on that we've even again talked about the idea if you want to do a a watch party live uh, we'd be glad to let you and nine other friends hang out at church and go ahead and watch Uh, the teaching together, and then talk about it afterwards. So different opportunities we have going Uh, tonight. Tonight, our students will finally be face-to-facing. Yes, my hair will look like this, but for a completely different reason. (laughs)
1: I'll be running around with our high schoolers again. Revive is meeting, so we will hope to see all of you tonight. Uh, Again, we're going to be practicing all the social distancing guidelines, keeping people in different rooms, and things like that if we have to tend to a space. Um, but we are back and in in a limited capacity and I'm so pumped to see everybody
0: tonight. So any of you that are worried about it, you know, we are, we're being strict about different spaces, all that kind of stuff, but, but we are permitted to do it. And we're going to take advantage of every opportunity we can that we're permitted to do. We want to do that. So. Uh, again, we, we call on you to be faithful to, in your giving, uh, get online, go ahead and give your offering as you normally would or send it on into our, our P.O. box, whatever. But uh, during this season, uh, the, there are still expenses involved with our church and, and it's important to continue to be to be faithful to that. So can you think of anything else we need to share with everybody? I mean, Mother's Day was great. You know, I forgot to mention last week too, Nate graduated. Oh. Right. I mean I mean, I know Nate like so many others has been kind of robbed i mean, Let's face it, Nate did not want to go to a graduation ceremony. Our whole family has kind of an allergy to graduation ceremonies. I skipped
1: one for a baseball game. so (laughs)
0: So it was kind of a gift to him on one hand that he didn't have to go, but we would have been down there with him in Texas enjoying some Thai food, which I know blows your mind. Thai in Texas, it's the best Thai food you can imagine. I mean, They have barbecue, right? But their Thai is sensational. So we miss you, Nate. And again, congratulations! Congratulations on graduating, and uh, look forward to the job you're going to get and the future God has for you. Uh, I know, I know, it's going to be awesome. So, you know what, him graduating faithful. makes you? I, well, <laughs> tell me, <laughs> old, old. <laughs> Oh, I can finally, finally, finally start saving for retirement. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? I've got, I've got like nine years to go ahead and plunk away every dime I possibly can. But anyway, so um, my goodness, here we are again, and we get the privilege of celebrating another one of our uh, Refuge Revive leaders, one of the people that has provided great leadership around church, and um, Bryson Laken. Oh, my word. This kid. I mean... So smart, it's scary. Yeah, he's, he's almost he, he's smart, yeah. and and the thing I've learned about him through the years, he has got Mike Lakin's humor. It's and uncanny. if you've been, if you've had a chance to interact with Mike Lakin's humor, it's the best. <laughs> it's the yeah. best. So the fact that he has birthed a child that has that gift is amazing. It's just am- so so. What we're understanding is he got. Tara's Brains, and he got Mike's Humor, and put it together, and you get Bryson. It's a lethal Oh, combo. it's amazing. And amazing. Meanwhile,
1: meanwhile, we have Jenna and Aubrey and Megan. They're sitting here like, he's not that great. <laughs> Duck, really? Are we talking about that guy? Yeah, no, Bryson's incredible. I remember meeting him and thinking that he was just the quietest kid on the planet and now I know he was just studying everyone to get a good handle on who we were and now he's he's developed into such an incredible influence for for our groups and I know you're you're really going to enjoy um, hearing what where he's going and what his plans are and what he's been
0: marked by Mm. uh, in terms of God's word that's awesome so let's go ahead and spend some time with Bryson Hey everybody, I okay. got Bryson with me. I'm
1: here in the nook and I know from being on Zoom that Bryce, I've seen you in that room more than anywhere else over the last two months. I'm sure you'd much rather be here and hanging out. Um, but unfortunately, uh, we're, we're not there. We're getting close. We're gonna be yeah. back mm-hmm. together on Sunday, um, or technically, I guess by the time everybody's watching this tonight, which is really cool. Um, but I'm so looking forward to this interview. I have been for a while now. You just graduated. It's no ceremony or anything but congrats on being done. Yeah. And through Minooka High School it's that's awesome. What uh, I know you were in the running for Valley Victorian for a while. What is what did your final class rank end up being?
2: Uh, I think number four overall so. That Almost. is
1: nuts. It's unbelievable. Uh, so great job with that. Now being ranked fourth that's going to that's going to lead to some pretty great things down the road. So what are your plans?
2: Yeah. Uh, so next year I'm going to be going to JJC, uh, for a year to just get some, you know, free recs out of the way. And then the year after that, I hope to transfer to Purdue in, uh, West Lafayette for civil engineering.
1: That is incredible. I love to hear that. Uh, love hearing anybody going to the big 10 and starting off with a little Wolfpack action, nothing wrong yeah. with some JJC to keep that, those costs down and everything. Uh, now, I, I do. I, I, we were just talking about uh, Purdue's basketball team. You know, Illinois' basketball team's on the up and up. Purdue's kind of crashing and burning. So maybe by the time you get there, they'll turn it around. Hopefully, hopefully basketball's back.
2: This is true. Maybe. All
1: right, Bryce, uh, before we get into your marked up, marked by segment, I have a little uh, special segment for you. And what we're going to be doing is going through. Uh, a bracket where you have to decide which one of these sports moments over the last couple of years is the most heartbreaking. Okay. So I've seeded them according to how I think they play out in my head. And you're just going to have to choose which one ultimately is the most heartbreaking. So in the left side of the bracket, we have the number four seed Manuka getting bounced by brother rice, mm. even though they Manuka should have had the home game yep the ihsa rules giving the home team or giving the home game to brother rice that that was bogus so number four Minuka getting bounced versus the number one seed the bears double doink
2: I had to see it coming um see they're just both horrendous horrendous occasions for me terrible days in my history i cried on both days i'm not a crier um and that's tough because like if the bears were good now it'd be different but they're bad but also i'll never get to see another high school game. But I mean, I got, I got to go with the Bears. It was just – it was brutal. I remember being at Revive and watching it happen. It was just ridiculous, you know, and the way it went down, makes it the first time, doubles off the second time. Just heartbreak.
1: I don't think I've ever seen anyone melt down so quickly. When that happened, there was hope, and then doink, doink, and he just kind of like fell to the ground. Brutal.
2: Went back to playing 21 on the basketball hoop. You know how it is. <laughs>
1: All right, on the, so double doink is moving on. On the right side of the bracket, <clears throat> these are two tough ones as well. Our second seed is the lost White Sox season. They might come back, be a shortened season, whatever, but the White Sox were building. They had great things going. They signed Edwin Encarnacion for one year. Big home mm-hmm. run guy, would have been an impact bat, giving the White Sox a chance in that crummy AL Central. Uh, so we had the lost White Sox season versus the three seed, the Illinois lost NCAA tournament, even though you're going to Purdue. I know like you're, with your family having gone to Illinois and being an Illinois fan, uh, losing the postseason and losing Kofi and IO mm. right, right. As all this happens, which one of those is most heartbreaking.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I got to go against the seeds on this one. I mean, the White Sox season is heartbreaking, but we still got the future, you know, I think it's okay. And like, I don't know what I lost cause I never had it, you know, but the Illinois season, I mean, Maybe I will end up going to Purdue, you know, but I'm still going to have emotional ties to Illinois. And throughout this year, it was one of the most enjoyable seasons to watch and just the most, most frustrating season to watch as well. But, like, I loved watching every moment. I was just awaiting that opportunity in the tournament, be that five or six seed, you never know. You know, week week bracket, anybody could have done it. Definitely got to go with Illinois. That one was very tough.
1: Well, I'm wearing my Illinois shirt. I'm glad <laughs> you said that because uh, that, that's been just – Eating at me for the last two months. The what ifs, all these, there have been so many different um, like 2K tournaments and Mm -hmm. then a fan vote tournament that Illinois has been winning. And unfortunately, that's all we're gonna. Okay, so in our championship matchup, we have the one seed, the double doink versus the three seed, Illinois lost postseason. So, Bryce, which one is the most heartbreaking sports event? Of the last few years
2: i mean you got to go with the double doink i don't think anything's ever going to top it it's just just brutal to watch them. It's such a good chance you know and then you know we came to this year just just terrible lost our defensive coordinator just regressed so hard that was our opportunity we could have done it that year but we didn't i don't think it's going to be a long time before something gets worse than that
1: yeah I, I i hate to say it but i don't see things getting much better uh if you know, we'll we'll see. But okay, so we have the official most heartbreaking moment of the last few years, as according to Bryson Lake in the double doink Bears playoff loss. That was just that was terrible. So you're right. Okay, um uh, moving on. Let's get to your marked up or marked by segment. So I know that you've chosen a verse. Go ahead and read that for us, and then if you would, just share kind of how you've been marked by that verse.
2: Yeah. All right. So mine is uh yeah, and we know it's uh, Romans eight, twenty eight. So it's, uh, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. Um, This is one I remember memorizing this one in, in big kids, even like way back in the day when I was in that. And I think it's just, you know, it's something, it's very encouraging because, you know, especially during times like these, you know, like just, you don't, you really don't know what's going to happen and big decisions, you know, for college and the future, et cetera. But, you know you know that all these curveballs that are thrown our way and all these just challenges, you know, like, yeah, maybe it won't make us happy. But, you know, as your dad said in that in that sermon or the teaching series, like, we're not really, God doesn't necessarily care about us being happy, you know, so just got to take it, you know, take it in stride and just keep going. Because, you know, at the end of the day, according to this verse, you know, it's going to come together and it's going to do serve sort of a better purpose or a bigger purpose for, for yourself and others. That's just encouraged me, especially recently.
1: Yeah, no, I I love that verse for you. I think um, looking at your different roles, this has definitely played out, Uh, because everything that you've done, similar to the girls that we've had go before you, you you are very other-centered, and that's something that I've grown to love and appreciate and admire about you, Bryson, Uh, and you recognize that even though we go through challenges, we go through tough times, as long as you you have that love for God, and you pursue that passion. Um, he, his purpose will play out. So, going through some of the some of those roles, um, uh, let's just see how this kind of how this verse plays out. So, first, I have you down as being a small group leader, a pretty influential one. So, you guys rock the bandanas at day camp, uh, and then I know you've been a, a small group leader in big kids. So, um, how have you been able to share what this verse means with those kids in your small groups?
2: Yeah. So yeah, for the past few years, I've taught. Generally, it's always it's always boys, and it's like third to fifth grade ish uh on Sundays. Yeah, and it's they're I, I love those kids. You know, I love seeing them every week. I we love you know bringing them candy, and I'm getting all happy. You know, and yeah, they're you know they're not. I don't want you know. It's like a big brother rule. You know, I really enjoy talking to them, and them just coming to me. You know, we're just we're good friends. You know, we high five outside of church. You know, stuff like that. And I think yeah, it's really important. I you know just being there for them and just being able to talk with them, giving them someone to talk to on Sundays. I've really enjoyed that. And, you know, yeah, just in relation to the verse, you know, it's like just teaching them, you know, cause you know, they'll talk about their struggles at school, you know, and like with, you know, their parents, you know, how it is when you're younger and just like all these things, yeah, they stink now, but you know, it's going to become something better. And, you know, if you guys just, you know, learn to yeah just lean on God, they'll just get better. And that's how I've tried to work that in.
1: Yeah. No, I, I totally have seen that. I've seen the the ducks in a row. I mean, just following after you and, and trying to to model what you do, and and that's just such a cool thing. It's like you have all these little brothers that you never had.
2: Yeah, right? exactly. So plenty
1: yeah, plenty of sisters, man. But you finally, have those little those little brothers hanging around church. Uh, also, we have uh, you've been a uh, one of the core cleaning team members, which I know a lot of our students have gotten into, um, but you have been uh, on that team for a while, so. If we're If we're talking about God's plan and God's purpose, did you ever think that cleaning like cleaning toilets and bathrooms and sweeping floors was gonna be like an influential role for you?
2: yeah I mean not not really like I never like planned to uh, you know volunteer for something like that, but like you know the opportunity just came to be, and it's like you know I feel like that's something that you know it's pretty obvious you know god just he led me to a role that I could help out in, so just took advantage,
1: yeah. Yeah, totally. I think a lot of people turn their nose up to jobs like that, uh, which, I mean, it's just, it's such a cool thing to see someone who has as much going for him as you do, uh, being ranked fourth, having the plan of what you want to do, civil engineering, uh, you know, stupid athletic, I mean, just all these things that are going for you, you still humble yourself to the point of realizing, hey, there, there's a job that needs to be done. And, and even though it might not be the, the best thing in the world, uh, you still take on that role uh, beautifully. So that's really cool. Finally, uh, you've been uh, one of our leaders at Revive for a while now. And personally, I, I wanna thank you in front of everybody uh, for everything that you've done, because man, the, the way that you're able to change the mood of the room uh, is phenomenal. You know, even when, there, are, you know, we go through ebbs and flows of how certain nights feel. You know, you get into those drab nights of, of winter where everybody just like is kind of hitting that winter low, and you just you run up with basketball and do one of your dunks where you slam the ball off the bottom. Getting the there, getting there. <laughs> I'm gonna miss that so much. You have no idea. Um, but yeah, so Romans eight twenty eight. You've you've definitely lived it out at Revive, and I want to thank you for that. Uh, as we sign off here. I want to ask you, do you have a piece of advice or a random statement? I know last week Miranda gave us some info about striped sweaters. So, you have anything for us?
2: Yeah, I do. It's, it's, it's Not to, like, do say anything against striped sweaters, but it's much more serious than that. Like, I'd say, like, when you're out there, you know, when you're on the basketball court and you're playing a guy better than you, the best option is always no embarrassment defense, okay? Don't try too hard out there. You're going to embarrass yourself. So, <laughs> when you're playing against me – just give it up, man. I'm going to get by you and I'm going to win. So just don't embarrass yourself. No embarrassment, D.
1: I love it. That is advice that I'm going to take on. If we ever get back to playing basketball on Saturday mornings, I know, like, I'm just going to get out of the way now.
2: Yeah, yeah. just let me do my thing. It'll look better for both of us.
1: <laughs> All right, Bryce. Well, thank you. Again, we look forward to, to getting back together tonight and and spending that yeah. that time uh, before you head off to, to JGC and, and then – Beyond so,
0: thank you uh, for helping out with this. Thank you. Well, Brian, I have a solution for you on the haircut. If you're listening right now, you can tell that it's Friday, and at Friday, on Fridays in the summer, they cut Shelly's lawn. So, perhaps you could talk to them about getting a little, you know, head toward the blade, a little speed bump. Yeah, that'll work. Anyway, we are at Shelley's, and part of the reason we're here is it it goes along with this series we're doing in May. Remember, April showers bring May flowers. It brings growth, and so we're talking about spiritual growth throughout all of May and the ways that God can use uh, this unique season we're in to grow us and to challenge us to become more like Jesus. So we've been paying attention to Shelley's Piano Project, and, and we've gone from seeing it painted to seeing it distressed. Believe it or not, there is a transition that took place this week. Can you tell what it is? Uh, Just go ahead, take a peek. Can you tell what happened this week that wasn't there last week? I can't. You can't. We're actually going to go ahead and put up a side-by-side comparison so that you can see. uh, If if you want to text in beforehand to let us know, 815-290-9595, you can tell us what you thought changed. But the only thing that changed is the tape came off. And the, and the lid was put on. Well, that's not fair. Yeah, not much change. <laughs> and, and part of the reason, it's, it's actually intentional. A lot of times as we're going through the stages of growth, it does not seem like anything is happening. It just seems long and slow and painful. And it's like, it, it's like a kid who wants to physically grow, and he or she keeps walking up to the door every day and measuring and measuring. And that pencil mark isn't moving Sometimes the pencil mark just doesn't move. And it's in part because we're, we're measuring too frequently. Growth is slow, especially in the stage we're talking about right now. So, so I thought it'd be interesting to ask you, Bri, um, what, are, what are the stages of growth that we're talking about as we reflect on the life of Peter?
1: Yeah, so at first we have the invitation. And it's not only the invitation to come out on the water, but to, to be invited to see that it truly is God, that it is Jesus who's calling us. We haven't reached the long haul yet. That's the last, uh, the last segment there, because right now we're in the messy middle. Mm-hmm. Last week we had the first
0: round of messy middle. Messy middle. There, there are so many lessons that God is teaching us there, and and we talked the first week about the fact that as Americans we want we want things to happen in checklist order. I do this, it's done. I never have to do it again. I do this, it's done. It's over, and I don't think that the spiritual life happens quite so sequentially. I think rather than looking at it in terms of steps and checks, we're better off looking at it in terms of loops. That we'll will make progress and we go backward and we make progress and we go backward. So so even though for example there are there are tasks that we're assigning to the messy middle, they might show up again in the long haul. We might see them again because because spiritual growth is a lot of times it's kind of a two steps forward, one step back. And we're, we're progressing, there, there's, there's growth taking place, but much like Peter, it looks like an EKG. Mm-hmm. I mean, no sooner will he have a, a brilliant moment and boom, he falls once again. And in fact, in the three examples we're gonna look at today in the messy middle, which I think are, they're a little bit more, um, they're not introductory level things. I think these are a little bit more advanced. But as we look at them, we're going to see Peter EKGing, literally moment from moment. We'll see him have a spiritual high moment and a crash and burn, just up and down and up and down. And, and I think that's a lot like all of us, that our spiritual growth is not just a slow, steady progression, but we have those moments that we fall. We have those moments that we, that we choose to stand back up. We allow God to scoop us up in his arms and help us to walk once again so here we are in the messy middle and we're looking we're looking at peter and we're looking at three different incidents in his life the one that that i think is the biggest crash and burn moment happened in matthew 16 when we were talking about that whole idea of jesus having this theoretical discussion with his disciples he's saying so who do people say i am and then he zeroes in who do you say that I am? So with these three challenges we're going to look at today, what we find is every one of them is um, it's not just a single challenge, but it's a twofold challenge. I don't want to call it a contrast because it's not like an either or, but there's it's a twofold challenge. So so as Peter is answering the question, remember Peter is the one that always answers the question. I love that about Peter. Uh, it's like having John Beaker in a group. <laughs> I, I love it because you know, we'll be in a group together, and and sometimes there's that moment of silence, and you're like, okay, anybody going to answer? What's going to happen? And mm-hmm. and John John will pipe in, and, and you can feel the whole group go, oh good, oh good, someone has spoken up. Peter's got the speaking up role. Some believe he speaks up because he's he's serving as a representative of the role and I, of the of the group, and I believe that, but I also believe it's just part of his personality. He he. He gets in. He gets involved. He jumps in. He's not the guy that's going to sit and wait. He's going to jump in and say something. So, so when Jesus asked that question, you know, who do people say that I am? They're the group answers, who do you say that I am? Peter says, unhesitatingly, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And we know in that moment that Jesus says, Peter, only God the Father could have revealed that to you. And I want you to know something. The whole gang here, they've been calling you Simon, Simon, Simon. New name, dude. You're the rock. You're the rock. I mean, what a, what a name, right? Yeah. You are the rock. And by the way, on this rock, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I wonder if the Lord Jesus is looking you in the eye and saying, you are the rock, and you know what? On this rock, I'm building the entirety of my kingdom church. How are you feeling right about now? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it, after eating a lot during quarantine, I'm like, are you sure I'm
1: not Plato? Are you sure <laughs> I'm a rock? But, yeah, no, that, that's intimidating. You're feeling awesome. Well, I'm feeling awesome. I mean, but it's my scary. goodness,
0: he, he just told you you're the rock. You're <laughs> kind of feeling like you can do anything. You can sure. do anything. And the next thing Jesus does is he transitions from this awesome moment to say, time is coming that I'm going to be betrayed, handed over to the leaders, crucified, and I'm going to die. Now, Peter is, he's kind of feeling, he's feeling full right now, mm-hmm. right? And so the Bible, the Bible actually said, listen to the wording. This is Matthew 16, verse 22. But Peter took him aside hey, hey, Jesus, I got, I, got, I got a word for you here, okay? I mean, can you imagine this? He pulls it, hey, P, Jesus, 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 come on. <laughs> leave, leave the group, come on over here for a minute. Gives him the armor on, you know, Jesus, I, I, you know, I've just been recently called the rock. Church is gonna be built right here on my back. Um, it says, he pulled him inside and he began to reprimand him for saying such things he reprimanded the Lord Jesus Christ for having the nerve to say this. And we know what happens next. After he had been told that only God could have revealed the identity of Jesus to him, Jesus says, get away from me, Satan. He goes from you are the rock to you're being Satan to me right now. So, so what's, what's the challenge The challenge is when to speak and when to listen. When to speak up, when to talk, and when to keep our mouths shut. A most difficult challenge that we learn in the messy middle. There are times that God wants us to speak There are times that we are being asked by the Lord, who do you say that I am? There are times that the Lord is asking us to speak up for him. And in that moment, we are to be ready. It says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. We need to be ready to speak. And we need to know that that it's not good enough sometimes to sit and wait for someone else to come up with the answer. It's not good enough to wait for someone else to speak up. God is using all of us, not just just pastors, not just people with Bible training. God is using all of us as his mouthpiece in the world. There are times we need to speak. There are times we need to um, speak into the life of a friend about maybe a particular sin that they're involved in. And it's our place in that moment to actually say something. There are times that it's our place to, to teach something to someone else. There are times that it's our place to offer a word of encouragement, an appropriate word of encouragement. There are times that we are to speak equally. There are times when we need to be quiet. There are times that we need to just listen and not say a word. I think one of the greater challenges that, um, that small group leaders face when they're first learning to be a small group leader is to know when to speak and when to listen. A lot of people, when they're, when they're leading a journey group for the first time, they, they feel the burden of being a bastion of brilliance. They have to have all the answers. They have to do all the teaching. They have to be the one doing all the presenting. Everything is coming from them. They feel that responsibility. But you know, you've made a great shift as a, as a small group leader, or as a teacher, when you are able to just be quiet for a moment. When you're just able to be quiet for a moment and let the group figure it out. When you're, when you're, when you're able to be comfortable with silence, knowing that in the silence, God speaks. And in the moment, in that moment, someone may actually have the chance to experience some growth. And so there comes this challenge in our lives of knowing when do we speak up and when do we keep quiet? I spent a couple of years with a friend over in Indiana on a series of retreats. Her name is Sybil Towner. And I gotta tell you, Sybil is a master at both. Sybil, when she speaks, she's got a photographic memory. I mean, it's it's something to be with a person who is able to recall basically everything she's ever read. Uh, It's crazy. I can read it a minute before and forget it. And there she is quoting it word for word. And I just want to hear what she has to say. And at the same time, there are these moments that she'll say something and then she'll just be quiet. Wait for someone else to speak, or even just let the silence speak. Are we willing to do both? You see, I think for a lot of us, with friends, especially with family, we want to fix them. We don't view people as people. In reality, we view people as a project. And so we're always instructing, always saying, always fixing always offering our opinion, always offering some wise word, and sometimes we just need to be quiet. So I'm going to do this with all three of the challenges. Brian, I'm going to ask you personally, uh, be revealing here. It's not the easiest thing to do, but when it comes to this particular challenge, when to speak and when to listen, what comes more naturally for you and what's more difficult for you?
1: This is a painfully easy Question to answer, and I say that because it's kind of a shot to the heart. Uh, but when to speak hmm. is always my go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I pride myself on being willing to speak up when others won't. Um, you know, kind of that, that role. If nobody's giving an answer, I will. I try uh, a few weeks ago, we started a series called What If Jesus Actually Meant What He Said with the High Schoolers, mm-hmm. and every time they give one of the answers, like I give them a series of questions, and every time they answer, I feel the need not to validate their answer but to follow up okay to make them to make sure that they know that I heard them and that mm-hmm. I understood mm-hmm. um, and it's amazing the contrast that I see when when I do that versus when I just listen to the answer and say, "I get it,, mm. that's great, um so when to listen is is definitely more of a challenge for me because I actually, if I want to listen, I have to think about it.
0: It's, okay.
1: It's an effort. It's, it, yes. I've got to think about this. I've got, uh,
0: that's good. That's instead, to of, to
1: instead of having, instead of preparing the next thing that I want to say, mm-hmm. you know, as you're talking, if mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not listening at all, if I'm thinking right. about what I want to
0: say. I'm glad you say that because I think people, people act as if they're listening. And they're not really listening. They're just preparing the next part of their speech. Yeah. Really listen. Really listen is so important. No, it's really good. So let me, um, let me bring it back to all of us. Asking you in this moment, which comes more naturally for you? When to speak or when to listen? Please understand that some of this is going to be according to our personality wiring. Some of us have more of that Peter in us where we're quick to bring the answer. Others, Others do have a quieter nature. We do have a tendency to not speak up. And I would dare say with each of us, it's not real tough to say, whichever way my personality is wired, I need to work on the opposite. For many of you, you're very quiet, and there is something that God has given you to say. And you know what? Because you've been quiet so long, when you finally speak, When E.F. Hutton finally speaks, people will listen. And there are some of you who have filled the air with so many words that when you are finally quiet, that is going to catch attention. People are gonna hear it. They're gonna hear it and they're gonna say, huh, he didn't say anything. He didn't speak. What was that? So, So that's the first kind of more advanced lesson of the messy middle, when to speak, when to listen. Let's move to the next one. There's this interaction with Jesus and Peter, and again, Peter is the one that asks this question. He he comes to the Lord and says, "How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Is seven times good?" Now now seven times, he thought he was being magnanimous. Three would have been what was required. So he's saying I'll double it and add one. I'm going, I'm going big time here, Lord. I'm putting myself out here. How many times should I forgive somebody? Is seven good? And Jesus, of course, replies We we know the reply. He says, not seven times, but seventy times seven, which isn't a specific number. He's not saying 490, congratulations, you're done. What he's saying is over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And I could keep going for a few more videos. Keep going. Keep forgiving. So rather than just give a direct answer, Jesus gives a parable. Brian, would you go ahead and summarize the parable for us?
1: Yeah, he breaks into the parable of the unforgiving servant. And the way this worked, there was a a master who wanted to settle up all of his debts with his servants. And one of the servants owed him 10,000 talents. Mm. Now, I'm going to get to the translation here in a minute. Uh, but he was <clears throat> he was owed 10,000 talents. In those times, a regular working laborer who worked six days a week and took a Sabbath along with Passover and everything, you'd work about 300 days, and you'd earn one denarii per day. So okay. in total, you'd earn about 300 denarii a year. And so this guy, he owes... T- he owes 10,000 talents. Oh. Uh, that's about 20 years worth of work. Wow. If you actually, uh, if for, wow. for one talent. Wow. So if to owe someone 10,000 talents, he's looking at 20,000 years of work to make up this debt. It's a massive debt. It's an insurmountable debt. Mm. But the, the servant says um, it, when he's confronted and, and is asked to repay the debt, he says, please, master, have, have mercy on me. I'd, I'll give you what I can, but, but don't, don't sell my family. Don't, uh, don't throw me in prison. Please, is there anything you can do? And, and he had every,
0: every legal right to do that in order right. to collect his debt. Mm-hmm. Every yeah. legal right.
1: Yeah, and the master, he says, you know what? Debt forgiven. The servant who had just had this massive, insurmountable debt forgiven turns around, and he had a servant of his own who he wanted to settle with, hmm. who owed him 100 Denarii. so that's about four months worth of work so he just had 20,000 years of work forgiven to him now he's 20 years of work no 20 years for one talent oh I
0: got you okay wow
1: it was 20 years per talent. holy cow and he owes 10,000 oh so um anyway so this um this guy has a a, a significant debt owed. I mean, it's four months of work. Right. That's, That's, that's not nothing. Yeah. So he's feeling, he's feeling that. Um, and when his servant asked for the same mercy that he was just shown, the, the servant who had it forgiven said, no, I'm throwing you in jail, uh, until you can pay this debt. And then we find out that, um, the other servants who were on the same level as that guy, they were ticked off. They go and tell the they master. Tell. <laughs> yeah, so they rat. You know, they do the the, the social <laughs> distancing rat kind of thing, right? So they tell the master, and the master says, "How dare you? Mm. How dare you? After the the crazy grace that I showed you? Yeah. How dare you turn around and and expect that uh, you can act differently?
0: Wow. So he ends up in prison, and and, and that. That really, even more than you know, the numbers, 7, 70 times seven, and all that sort of stuff. What Jesus is trying to get across is forgive as you've been forgiven. And when we realize the debt we've been forgiven, it's really hard to strangle somebody else for the debt that they've not repaid us. It's really hard. So so the test here is, or the challenge is when to give forgiveness and when to receive forgiveness. At what stages in life do we need to give forgiveness and when do we need to receive forgiveness? I would dare say that the giving of forgiveness is one of the more difficult lessons all of us will learn, not only in the messy middle, but in the long haul and right up until the moment that we die. That there are people that have done things against us that are difficult, some that are reprehensible, And to be able to come to a place of forgiving them is an incredibly difficult place at which to arrive. It's hard. Jesus is not minimizing how difficult it is to forgive someone. Remember, he's on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He was willing to be the one to forgive as well. We need to be willing to forgive. How do we know what forgiveness looks like? For me, um, I think I would define forgiveness as giving up my perceived right to a grudge. So there are people that have done something against me and I have this internal perception that I have the right to get even. I have the right to even the score. I have the right to make this right. Do you hear how many times I have the right I'm saying? I have the right. That's what this comes down to. Our rights have been violated and I have the right to make it right. And Jesus is saying, no, you don't. You have the right to let it go. All of life, I mean, one of the big life lessons is surrendering. Here's another area that I'm surrendering. I'm letting go. Now, I think where some people get in a difficult spot with forgiveness is they confuse forgiveness and reconciliation. There are times in our life that we will have forgiven somebody, but reconciliation is not possible maybe the person has already died. It's not possible to have a, a reconciled relationship, but you still need to forgive them. Maybe, uh, maybe what has happened is you've forgiven them, but they've not forgiven you. Paul says, if, in, in, in as much as it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. What does that mean? There are times that the other person is not willing to forgive. There are times the other person is not willing to make something right. And so I've done my part, and now I'm waiting. And I might wait a decade. I might wait two decades. I might wait all of my life, and we may never come to the place of full reconciliation. Maybe they've done something that could only be described as um, reprehensible and criminal. Maybe they've done something against you personally, physically that is illegal and utterly immoral. You know what? God says that it is possible to forgive that person. It would be equally lacking in shrewdness and wisdom to say, my way of expressing forgiveness to you is to say, here are my kids, I'm leaving right now we use wisdom. We understand that even with us, our sins have been forgiven by God, but there are consequences that remain. I mean, if you spent year after year after year after year partying like a madman and you destroyed your liver, just because you say, Jesus, forgive me, come into my life, you don't suddenly have a perfect liver once again, right? We live with the consequences of our past behavior and sometimes our past behavior will lead to a place that forgiveness is possible, but reconciliation in the fullest sense may never take place. It may, it may never come to pass. Here's how I know I've truly forgiven someone. When someone's done something against me and I finally come to a place of saying, I'm giving up my right to hold a grudge. I'm giving up that perceived right. I'm letting it go. When I hear about them, when I hear about something going on in their life, and it's a positive thing, there's something amazing going on in their life, when from my heart, my heart is able to respond and say, good for them. When I am able to actually be happy for them, I know true forgiveness has taken root. When I still find myself saying, they didn't deserve that. They should never have received that. I know that there's still a root of bitter lack of forgiveness remaining within me. Now let's look at the flip, because this is not just about forgiving, but it's about receiving forgiveness. Last week we looked at that story in John chapter 1 of Peter being brought back in by Jesus, recommissioned by Jesus. He describes the way Peter's going to die, and then he ends with the words, follow me. He said three times, if you love me, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, care for my sheep, come follow me again. Think about what Peter had done. In Jesus' greatest moment of anguish, Peter ran away. In Jesus' greatest moment of anguish, not once, not twice, but three times, Peter said, I don't know him. And yet he had promised, he had over-promised, I will be with you to the end. I'll die with you if necessary. Can you imagine how Peter felt when he thought about those moments? Can you imagine how he felt? Think of the Apostle Paul. I was was in uh, my my small group not too long ago, my Thursday morning journey group, and, and we were talking about the marked up, marked by verses. And as we were talking about them, uh, Jared Brooks talked about his. And he said, I love that verse in Romans where, where Paul says, um, Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. I mean, he just labeled himself. I'm, I am scum of the earth. I'm the worst of sinners. And uh, Adam Beaker was there and Adam said, you know, in, I, in my memory is in the verses that precede that. Uh, Paul talks about the ways in which he had sinned sinned greatly, sinned against God. Paul had a tremendous recognition of his sinful nature. Peter had a tremendous recognition of what he had done against Jesus. They did not then choose to decommission themselves. They did not decide. Paul did not decide, I persecuted the church of Jesus Christ so badly that I can never be a church leader again. Peter did not decide, Lord, I know you're recommissioning me, but seriously, choose James. Choose John. I mean, he's he's the disciple you love anyway. Choose John. Choose someone else. He didn't decommission himself. He fully received the forgiveness of Jesus. I want to say this the right way. It's not that we need to forgive ourselves. It's that we need to live in the forgiveness we've we've been given. God has extended His forgiveness to you and to me. He's extended His forgiveness for the sin we have committed. And if he has given us that forgiveness, we need to live in the state of that forgiveness. But for some of us, we are so stuck in our past that we keep, we keep trying to pay for the sin that we committed. Instead of saying, if you've forgiven me, I am going to live in the reality of that forgiveness. I'm going to live there from here forward. No longer am I going to decommission myself. If God calls me forgiven, I'm forgiven. Paul referred to himself as the chief of sinners. And every one of us, every one of us is a sinner saved by grace, not by anything we have earned or deserved. But there's another word that Paul uses, Greek word, hagios and hagioi. The, the hagioi are the holy ones, and holy ones, the, word, the way we translate that word is saints. Paul refers to every one of us who are redeemed sinners as saints. It's time we start living into our sainthood, not because we're perfect, not because we're so good, but because we are forgiven. We are forgiven. And so again, I ask you, Brian, when you look at these two, which is the greater challenge for you to give forgiveness or to receive the forgiveness you've been given?
1: Equally as painful as the first question, because it is so easy. Um, definitely receive. Hmm. I forgive very quickly from. Forgive, forget. I I don't really hold grudges, Um, but when it comes to receiving forgiveness, I struggle asking for forgiveness because there are times where I don't realize that I've hurt someone or that I've done something that warrants me asking the question. Mm -hmm. And but then once it's offered, um, I still I find myself making decisions and doing things that, even though I I know I've been forgiven. Both by God and by the person who I've hurt, uh, I still like walk on eggshells because I'm not sure is that is that a sincere forgiveness? Because I'm I'm wondering, did they mean it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I know like God means it, Mm -hmm. but what uh, it it's just it's a constant struggle for me to actually live like you said live into that yeah, forgiveness, yeah. instead
0: of just saying, yep, okay, cool, I'm forgiven. That forgiveness is real, it's real. I have more than once received from you kind of a, a, a follow-up text, even after even after there's been forgiveness and it's been done, a follow-up text that kind of, no, really, are we there? And uh, yeah, I can, I can see that. I'd, I'd, I'd say the same thing. It is, it is very hard to, to live into the forgiveness God has offered us. And so, And so I ask you right now to examine in your own life which, which is the more difficult for you? Is it is it hard to say those words? You're forgiven. You just find yourself being a person that, that holds and holds on to the grudge. Not gonna let it go. Or do you find yourself being the person who says, I can freely forgive. Or maybe not easily, but I can freely forgive. But it is so hard for me to receive and live into the forgiveness God has given me. Just a... This is a battle that we will fight all of our lives. This whole issue of forgiveness is a battle we will fight all of our lives. So um, continue, continue wrestling, continue wrestling into the, in that challenge. So three challenges in the messy middle. When to speak and when to listen. When to give forgiveness, when to offer it. And when to receive forgiveness, when to live into it. And the third one is when to serve and when to be served, so we know that on the night that the Lord is betrayed, he's about to uh do communion with the disciples for the first time. They're in the upper room, and typically a person of means would have a servant on hand for a special task. You already know what this is, right in the in that era. People are walking throughout the day. They're in their sandals. They're getting the dust of the earth on their feet. All of that is happening, and they need clean feet. Now, you wonder, why clean feet? I mean, that's kind of weird. Why not, why not? Why not wash your hands, which we become experts at? What's this about? The Eastern, the Eastern meal is not eaten at a table with chairs. Your feet are not on the floor. The Eastern meal is eaten reclining, you're not too far from someone else's feet. Now, just think about that for a minute. You're trying to chew on your Jimmy Johns, and there's your teenagers, your 16-year-old's feet that have just played uh, basketball and, and done some fishing and squished through the mud, and those feet are... I mean, for kind of a lot, if you're at the table, you want to wash those feet. But, but in this particular case, you really want those feet clean. So a person of means would have a servant on hand to do the foot washing. And on that particular night, everybody's sizing up and they recognize, oh my word, we don't we don't have a foot washing servant. Now, this group of disciples, one thing that they just don't seem to get a handle on is the pecking order. They're always wondering who's best. There, I mean, we have countless incidents of them. I, I I find some reassurance in this, to be honest. There are times that you know you're working with people and you're like, why in the world are we going through this struggle right now? And you come to realize the same happened with the disciples of Jesus. Right. That none of them is going to pop up and say, hey, if nobody's available to wash feet, I'll do it. So what happens? There's enough time, enough lag time, that finally Jesus just stands up, drops off his outer garment, puts on the garment of a servant, And he starts going around and he starts washing foot after foot after foot in the room. I can't help but believe that the conversation got real quiet. Stone silent. So quiet that you could hear the trickling of the water. Mm -hmm. So quiet that I think you could probably even hear the padding of the feet with the towel. And he comes to Peter. Peter is not going to just extend his feet and say, have at it, Lord. Peter says... You are not touching my feet. Uh, you, are, you are not. It, it, he's, it says in, in John 13, verse 8, no, Peter protests, you will never ever wash my feet. Not gonna happen. And, and Jesus, Jesus says to him, Well, you know, that's a problem. Unless I wash you, you don't belong to me. So then Peter, Peter can never leave it alone, right? Well, then give me a whole body bath. <laughs> Go crazy. Rinse me all over the place. And Jesus explains why that's not necessary. But, but, but the bottom line of all of this is nobody at that table was willing to jump up, grab the bowl, and wash the feet. And after this, Jesus explains, you know, you call me master and teacher, rightly so. And you know what? I, as the prime among you, was willing to wash the feet of everyone in the room you should be willing to do the same. And in that, he's teaching us when to serve and when to be served. We all need to be people who are willing to bring our serve to the table. We all need to be people who look around, look around at our family, look at our spouse, look at other people in the church, look at people in the community, and we're just, we're just constantly eyeing the world for dirty feet. We're constantly eyeing the world for the opportunity to serve someone else because if Jesus, as our master and teacher, was willing to wash the feet of others, we should be willing to do the same. I'm gonna gonna say something that I say out of no sense of arrogance whatsoever, all right? If I were in that room that night, I would have picked up the bowl and I would have washed feet. I really would have. That that is how I'm wired. I am wired to work, look around, find the need, and take care of the need. I, that's that is just that is God placed that in me. I really believe among the spiritual gifts God has given me, one of them is the gift of helps. That I that I just. I am willing to fill in the gap. If there is a need, my eye is always scanning the room for the need and I try my best to jump in and fill the need. I love the opportunity to serve other people. I love the opportunity to wash someone else's feet. God wants us to be that way. God wants us to be willing to enter in at any moment and serve another person. But, but in this same moment, he teaches us something else. That we need to be willing to extend our feet and let someone else wash them. So let me tell you, I'm not as good at that one. In fact, I'm horrible at that one. Let me go back a few years ago. So 1994, uh, I was asked to lead students at the church in at the Free Church in uh, in St. Louis, where we were. And I had a pretty good, I mean, had a high school group of about 30 kids and uh, student lead, or elite, uh, adult leaders with that group. And, and we decided for Easter, we actually met on Easter Sunday, which it kind of blows me away. We decided for Easter that what we were going to do is um, we were going to have the kids participate in communion together in the gym where we met, this rental gym, big circle. So we we're going to do communion together. And before we did communion, we were going to wash all the kids' feet. So we actually got a bowl out, and I mean, these kids, you know, I had some kids in that, that group that had the, the biggest, ugliest, gaggliest feet you've ever seen in your life. These weren't sweet little baby feet anymore, right? And we as leaders took bowls, and we went around, and we washed the feet of every, kids, every kid. Some kids, you know, kind of received it almost with reverence. Some kids giggled the whole time. But everybody, everybody was willing to have their feet washed, which was, it was pretty incredible. We get done and, and we set the bowls aside and we're about to do communion and the kids go, wait, 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 wait. It's our turn to wash your feet. Hmm. And do you know what I said? No, <laughs> Dennis protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Oh my word. I was just flat busted in that moment. I mean, holy cow. Here I am refusing and the whole time I'm thinking, that's exactly what Peter did. He refused. He refused to have his feet washed. And I, and I gotta admit, you know, I did, I finally gave in. I said, all right. Took off my shoes. I let them wash my feet. And, and I gotta tell you, it was not the most moving experience in my life. It was humbling. And it was hard. It was just really hard to sit there and receive serving that way. For every one of us, We have this contrasting lesson to learn. One is, if you want to be the greatest, learn to be the servant of all. Jesus is teaching his disciples that again and again and again. You're you're vying for power. You're vying for position. You want all these things. He's saying that's not what it's all about. If you want to be greatest in my kingdom, you look around for dirty feet. And you get on your knees and you wash the feet. I've talked numerous times about Roger and Janet Swank. I think the thing that I admired so much about those two, they had great spiritual leadership for our church, but both of them were the first people to see a dirty foot and get down on their knees with the bowl and wash those feet. I would have to admit to you, for Roger in particular, he was not the best at allowing his feet to be washed. It was hard for him to receive serving we need both we need both god is teaching us both the lesson of serving others and of being willing in our moment of need to receive that kind of serving all three of these lessons when to speak and when to listen when to give forgiveness and when to receive forgiveness, when to serve and when to be served. All three are part of that messy middle. And and I'm convinced all three will continue on into the long haul. These are things we will struggle with in our growth for the rest of our days. So again, Bri, the third one, what's toughest for you? To serve or to be served? These questions are like rattlesnake
1: bites. (laughs) I just feel this poison like through my system. Um, I hate being served. I hate it because I feel like there are a lot of people who need to be served. So don't waste your time on me kind of thing. Um, but I learned a lesson early on when I started here. We were at the warehouse. Rachel Herzberger, Chad Kruger, and Danielle Carrick were my three uh, student leaders who Came to me one night, and I'd gotten in a pretty regular habit of having our post meeting and then sending everybody home, and then I'd stay for another hour or two, just cleaning up, making sure everything's in order. And I saw that as me serving them. Like, I I wanted to make sure they didn't have to worry about a thing because it's my job, it's my time. So I didn't want to put the the onus of cleaning up on them. Mm -hmm. They confronted me and said, we want to do this. Mm. We want to serve, and we want to serve you. We want to help you get home earlier. We want to help you do this. So by me, selfishly only wanting to serve, I was taking away their opportunity to serve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's where the line kind of uh, flipped for me, where it's, it's not that I necessarily needed their help, mm-hmm. but I did need to be served. Yeah. Because by, my, by them fulfilling my need to be served, they were allowed to serve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I still struggle to this day because sometimes it's just easier to do it yourself, right? Or yeah. easier to, um, to serve others or to yeah. see the need. That's why I love the women's retreat so much. When yeah. the guys are, you know, I'm the first one to grab a garbage can or grab a case of water and walk around and whatever. Um, so it's it, that is being served is something that I definitely still need to, to get to work on.
0: Let me use what you're saying as a jumping off point, and that is to say that um, I find great joy in serving. I just find serving so satisfying. And more than once I've had this convicting moment of, well, then why would I rob someone else of that joy? Why would I take that away from someone else? So, so I ask you again to look at your own life and to ask the question, which is more difficult? To serve, to find the dirty feet? Some of us, some of us have a hard time finding, just realizing someone else needs help. And you know what's funny? We may be able to do it for some stranger that we meet on the, on the toll pike in, in Oklahoma. you know We're going to help them, but there's this spouse that we live with every day, and they have needs, and we're oblivious to them. Uh, what are the ways in which we might be missing serving opportunities, but are the, what are the ways as well that we've not been willing to receive serving, to just receive it, and in the process give someone else the opportunity to be the one who serves. Both both are important areas of growth. So, so next week, we'll move into that final phase. We'll move into the long haul and we'll spend two weeks talking about some of the long haul challenges that we face. But let's, let's pray together right now. Father God in heaven, as we uh, continue on this long journey of growth, just like this piano behind us that, that didn't change a lot from last week to this week, we realize that our growth, is a, it's a long haul process. It just takes time. And sometimes we get it right and we sm- feel the, your smile upon us from heaven. And sometimes we totally mess it up and, and we, we don't feel much of a smile at all. God, I pray that every day we would be aware that all the opportunities being thrown our way our opportunities to grow to be more like Jesus and that we would receive them. We would receive them. And as we do, we continue. We live in those challenges. And as we live in those challenges, we would grow. We would really, really grow. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well,
1: uh, thanks for the workload. (laughs) It's a lot of stuff to be paying attention to this week. It is, it is.
0: Growth is hard.
1: Yeah. You know, the cool thing about this um, is that I know working through some of these things helps when you're with other people. So we we obviously have families that we're watching with right now, uh, but we also have the chance for you to come to the building and be a part of a watch party. It doesn't have to be at 9 or 10.30 on Sunday. It could be any time during the week. If you and nine of your friends want to come to the building, watch a service together, and then spend time talking, working through this You have that opportunity we had some people take advantage of that this past week and we heard some really great things from it um so we're going to continue to to keep going so if you're thinking ahead to next week and and you know at a certain time you have either your journey group or uh, just maybe a friend you haven't seen in a while who you want to watch the service with let us know text us 815-290-9595 and we can set up that watch party for you um now, one of the things that I'm super, super excited about is not a watch party at all. We're done with Zoom. Revive is back tonight. I'm pumped. Yeah. I'm sorry, Refuge. We're too big right now. We've got to stay on Zoom. So Zoom isn't completely dead. It's like half dead. We've <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've shot, Junior high will get there. We've shot Achilles in the ankle, yeah. and he's <laughs> stumbling to his death. Okay? Right, right, right. Um, but tonight, Revive, 6 to 8. I'm so pumped to see everybody. Please, Please know that we are taking every precaution. We're not mm-hmm. just flippantly doing this because we have the opportunity to, to have 10 people in a room. We're going to be very careful, uh, but we, we do think that it's, especially after this long time of being apart, it's so critical to be together and to study God's word together in person. So we're going to, since it's legal now, uh, we're going to take advantage of that. When
0: the high schoolers visited our house a couple weeks ago, you could, just, you could see how much they were enjoying being together. God designed us to be together. And it's something and so, we
1: take so, like, we just, we take I for hope granted we never so take often. it for granted
0: again. Yeah. I mean, after this has been weeks yeah. and weeks, what are we, week 10? I don't even really remember anymore, but we've been apart for so long. I hope we never take for granted again the opportunity to be together. And then we take advantage of everyone that we can. So, Come to the end of our teaching today, and I want to remind you as as that wrap-up slide comes up, you can see there that you can go ahead and click... to listen to some music, maybe worship along. Today we're offering you our playlist. So these are songs that we we sing at Southfield, and and why don't you just go ahead and and turn it on and let let the music fill your house. Sing along if you feel like it, but just uh, completely enjoy uh, the presence of God today. It is it's just wonderful to be able to be with you in your home, and and again we pray uh, God's blessing on you and the generations to come, your children and their children and their children, uh, the Lord is truly with every one of us. He is for you. He is truly for you. You are not alone. We'll see you next week. Peace!